Welcome to the 1K Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Fleming, and this is a podcast all about showing you how to make money from home while you are raising kids and building your business. This is a show where we will talk about the mindset, the strategy, and the tactics on how you can begin to monetize your brilliance. Moms today on the podcast, we have Julie Broad. She is an Amazon overall number one best-selling author, an international book award winner, and recipient of the Beverly Hills Book Award for Best Sales Book. As an entrepreneur and successful real estate investor, she was also awarded the Top 20 Under 40 Award. Her latest venture, Book Launchers, helps entrepreneurs and professionals build their brand and boost their business by writing, publishing, and selling a top quality book. Hey, Julie, I'm so excited to chat with you. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about you behind the scenes of business. Like, What does family life look like for you as a mom? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's funny. Um, <laughs> it's, it's chaos, which I'm sure pretty much everyone can relate to. Um, I have a 14 month old, uh, son and he is into absolutely everything. He's, he's gloriously curious, but that is also means that you turn your head for one second and and all hell breaks loose. So, um, yeah, it's, it's great, but I can't work around him at all. (laughs) So I have to have an office off, you know, I have to have an office away from the house. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so (laughs) I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. Oh, yes. And uh, there's a lot of moms that listen and they are trying to figure it out at home. So you getting in an office space, that's that's awesome. <laughs> it's definitely, are you I'm in like very, a co-working space? Yeah, I'm in a co-working space. And I'm also very fortunate that my husband stays home with, with our son. So, you know, not everyone gets that opportunity. And so it makes it easier for me to be away and to like you know, to go to an office and not work at home, but, uh, we're also in LA. So we live in an apartment, so I don't yeah. know how like function and focus in a two bedroom apartment yeah. <laughs> with, with a husband, a dog and a child. <laughs> <laughs> well, that like, that makes me, cause so mom guilt, this is kind of off topic. I definitely want to get into your expertise of writing and, and publishing yeah. a book, but you know, mom guilt, whether we are trying to juggle it at home or we're at an office, I mean, do you struggle with that too? Um, Not that much because I do, I've set up my life so that I'm there for him a lot. Um, You know, my office is a seven minute walk from home. So I, you know, and I spend an hour with him in the morning before I do anything else. And then I go to work and I often go home at lunch and then I'm there for another three, you know, I spend a three, usually minimum two, usually three hours with him before I go to bed. So I don't feel, yeah, I feel like he's better off having diverse interactions with a lot of people. So yeah, I don't, I don't have that, but I think if I went to work all day and didn't see him every day at this age, especially where things change overnight, I think I would uh, probably have it. And, and I just know that I'm fortunate that I was able to design my, my situation so that I am there for him a lot, despite working full time. Oh, you nailed it. I think that the designing your life on your terms, I mean, if it was like you said, a job or something that took you away from him, that wasn't really on your terms, you definitely probably feel that different. Yeah, for sure. So take me into how you landed at this expertise of writing, publishing and helping others sell books. (laughs) It's a long kind of a long journey. The short, the short 
version is I was in real estate for years, um, investing and then running a training and education company. And I wrote a book. And so initially I was in conversations with traditional publishers and ultimately um, thought I was getting a book deal, but they, they, the final word was uh, from Wiley. They said, oh, the marketing department doesn't feel you have a strong enough platform to sell books. And they were really the best option. I was in Canada at the time. Um, I'm Canadian. I live in LA now, but, uh, and, and they were really the best option for publishing this book in Canada. So it wasn't really a matter of like, you know, pursuing new pub like other publishing options. It was kind of like, that was it. So now the option was self-publish or don't publish. And it took a while to kind of recover <laughs> my ego from them telling me, oh, you know, that book idea won't work. And, and then they told me, oh yeah, you won't be able to sell books. So it was like, I took two hits from them, but uh, I really believed that I had a strong message and I really wanted to write a book. It was kind of two big things. And so I set out to learn everything I could about self-publishing and self-published my, my first book. And it went to number one overall on Amazon. So ahead of Dan Brown, ahead of the Game of Thrones series, because this was in 2013. Um, and yeah, crushed. It just crushed for quite a while. It, it still to this day is selling um, decently well, considering I do zero promotion. So um, yeah, so that felt great. And, you know, as a result, a lot of people were asking me questions, you know, even my friends that got traditional publishing deals. So I, I, on the side, I was doing a lot around books published, like traditionally published uh, books, as well as uh, self-published books. Uh, but I was still doing real estate full-time. And then it was actually uh, kind of the trigger of getting pregnant and realizing that I, at the time I was traveling a lot, doing a lot of speaking all across Canada, and we decided to move to the U.S. And I just realized I didn't want to be traveling all the time. Like I said, I, I really designed my life. And uh, so I set out to hire amazing people because I don't know everything about self-publishing. You know, I, I did a lot of research and I've done it twice, uh, but there's people who've done hundreds of books. So I went out and hired, you know, I, I, I was like, okay, I want a dream team of people and so I hired you know an Emmy nominated writer you know somebody who's been working in every aspect of the publishing industry you know somebody who has worked with Wall Street Journal bestsellers to get the PR and media and speaking engagements all these kind of people and I hired them all so I don't necessarily think I have the expertise but I love it and it was a great fit for the way I wanted to live my life as well as the stuff I like to do. Yeah so tell me about that first book and the topic wise was it a business sales book? It was a real estate book. Okay. Um, so, cause I was in real estate for years. So it was uh, really, I wrote it because everybody was talking about how to get rich in real estate. And I kept thinking, you know, after at that point I'd been investing for 11 years and I was like, yeah, there's money, but there's also a ton of issues like tenant problems and property manager issues and properties that fall apart and all these kind of things. And nobody talks about the stress involved in have and handling all these issues. And, and the way it works is everything will be fine for six months. And then all hell breaks loose. It's like seven properties all have problems at the same time. And so people are always like, the more is better, more is better. And I'm like, more just means more roofs. They're going to leak on the same darn day. And so I really wanted to share that with people um, to emphasize that real estate isn't for everyone. And even if it is, you want to be careful about the deals you do um, because it can create a life that you didn't set out to live. So that was my first book. And so it was really different, which is why it did go, uh, you know, did do really well. And a lot of people supported it. Yeah, exactly. It was very niche, which is, all my, which is also why it was very cool that it went to number one, um, yeah. because it was very unique. And it was also, you know, not a big market, like there's like 5% of the population wants to invest in real estate, you know? <laughs> yeah. So how, do you, how have you seen Amazon, the landscape of self-publishing change over the last few years? 
Well, the good news for people is that it's easier than ever to self-publish and you can get a book out there and and do it very cheaply. Um, But in the same regard, I think that that's also damaged the reputation to a point where some people think self-publishing is is almost like hacking, uh, like hacking into the industry because there's no gatekeeper to make sure that it's done well. Um, and so that's really, I think, where it's changed a bit is, is it's, it's wide open access, which means anybody can do it. Um, and a lot of people who do it, do it very, very poorly. Um, mm-hmm. But the good news is that just means you can stand out, like do it well. And now it's so much easier, not so much easier, but it's very possible to stand out if you, if you take time to invest in it and think it through and, and create a great product. Uh, you can stand out and the readers don't care. Um, you know, it's all in your own head. Uh, you know, if I've talked to so many authors and they think they're not legit because they didn't publish through a traditional publisher. But the reader has no idea and really doesn't care. All they care is if that book is going to help them in some way or do something for them. Yeah. You know, the last year or so, the, the books that I love the most have been self-published. It's very yeah. interesting. Yeah. So if we can, let's go through that three-step thing, the write part, the published part, and the sell part, and kind of give me just mm-hmm. a rundown of what each stage looks like. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, it, it will look a little different for everybody. I always say know your goal going in. Um, and by that, I don't just mean like a lot of people come to me and say, I want to be a bestseller. That's not your goal. Why do you want to be the bestseller? What's that going to give you in your business? You know, do you think you're going to get media or more clients or what do you really think it's going to get? Because that does drive some of the things that you'll do. Most of our clients are doing it to grow their business, um, build their brand, which means you're going to want to spend time making sure you've got the right book to attract the right audience. So in the right phase and the right being the W-R-I-T-E phase, um, <laughs> you are spending time figuring out who's your ideal audience and what's the hook, which is what makes you unique, but more importantly, what's different about your book. And the point that you really want to focus on is what your, what your reader gets from it. Because a lot of people say, oh, I've got a great story to tell, or I really have a message I want to share. And that doesn't matter. It's what is the reader going to get out of that message? So you're like, how are you going to make them skinnier, prettier, richer, you know, more productive, um, more popular? <laughs> you know, these are, these yeah. are the things you have to think about. And while it's kind of a shallow hit to it, that's, you know, you got to have that driving hook. Like, what are you going to do that's going to get them to the, one of those things quicker, faster, easier than anybody else has done for them before? Um, and that's really what you're looking at. And in the right phase, you need to spend as much time figuring that out as you do writing, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you get that figured out, you create a killer table of contents, which is, you know, every chapter has to hang off that theme, that hook that you've created. And every chapter has to stand on its own in terms of being able to sell your book. You know, if somebody opens up to that table of contents and looks at chapter three, they have to be like, oh my gosh, I have to know what's in chapter three, just like they wanted to know what's in the title of your book. So once all that's done, that's actually way harder work than I think most people either realize or dedicate the time to it to make it right. Once that's done, your book you know, it doesn't write itself um, unless you hire a ghostwriter, which is option B. Um, but it, it's so much easier because you, you know all the details, you've thought it all through. So then you just have to set the, t- the time aside and start writing to get to that first draft. And a lot of times we're telling people, just get to a bad first draft. Don't worry about the fact that you're not a writer or that you've, you know, you've barely written, you know, you've never written a book and all those kind of things. You just got to, you've got the ideas, you just want to get a bad first draft. Um, then it goes into, 
all the editing. So we typically will put these books through two content edits. Um, that's somebody reading it saying, hey, you need a story here. This needs backup. This doesn't flow the right way. You need to move this chapter here. You know, that kind of thing. Um, then into copy edit, which is what most people associate with editing, which is, you know, grammar, sentence structure, typos, that kind so of thing. So the first stage of editing is like making sure the actual content is strong. Exactly. And, and so it's really kind of that's part of writing. And then probably at the copy edit, I'd say we move into the publish phase. Um, because the content is still working through the material. And sometimes you're rewriting and adding chapters. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so into the cop. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Let me interrupt you real quick. Ghostwriter, what's yeah. the what's the take on that with the industry? Is it is it kind of like an easy way out? Or is it totally acceptable? Well, it depends because some people, it's really hard. I, I, so I've hired a couple ghostwriters for our company and it's hard to screen them because a lot of times they're not allowed to tell you whose books they've written. Mm -hmm. the, the, you know, the, the essence is the vast majority of books that are written by celebrities and CEOs aren't written by them. They're too busy. Um, and, and that's just the reality of it. And I don't think it's a cop out to get a ghostwriter because really it's still your, your material, right? The ghostwriter is interviewing you, reading stuff you've written, listening to, you know, if you've done a podcast, they're listening to your podcast, they're writing your book. Yeah. It's just, they're the ones doing the typing. So it, it really does vary though. And I, again, I think a lot of it comes back to how you present it. Um, you know, there are people I know that have hired ghostwriters that say, oh, I, you know, I wrote my book and they, they like, they hide the fact that they work with them. So I think a lot of it comes back kind of the same thing of traditional versus self-publishing. I think a lot of it's in the author's head. Um, you know, other people own it and they're just like, no, I'm dyslexic. There was no way I was ever going to write this book myself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't, again, I don't think the readers care unless they feel duped. Right. Yeah. If they feel like you're saying you wrote that book and then they find out that you didn't actually write it, you worked with someone to get the words out. Um, I think they'll feel duped. But if you're open about how you finished your book, I think most people will be accepting. Yeah. And another question, like, all right, so let's say we get the massive table of contents. I think that would, for me, the, looking at this would be the hardest part, like making myself really sit down and think through that strong outline. But let's say we get that done. How long does it take most of your clients to go from that table of contents to that first edit? Everybody is different. The ones that actually sit down and buckle down and put a couple hours a day into it can get it done in four to six weeks after that. Um, but, you know, I have other clients that have been doing it for six months because, you know, they'll write for two hours and then two months later, <laughs> they write for five. So it really varies. Um, you know, that's the two kind of ends of the spectrum. Most people fall somewhere in the middle. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's fear is the biggest thing. I think once you've got that part done, fear is the next thing. And I think a lot of people run into fears where they're like, this sucks. You know, they, they ride the wave, almost like being an entrepreneur, but they ride the wave of, oh, this is so awesome. I love my book. And then it's like, oh, this sucks. Nobody's going to care what I have to say. Nobody likes, you know, so oh, yeah. I, it's making sure that we're there for them as they you know, ride those waves that smooths it out and makes it go a little faster. Um, but I think that it's those waves where you meet a lot of people who say, Oh yeah, I've been, I've been working on a book. It's like, you find out they've been working on it for five years <laughs> and it's because they got stuck at that part of, you know, this book sucks. And that's where I think it does help to hire a writing coach, um, work with somebody to read it. Cause that person will tell you this is great. And that person will tell you this is weak and you know, we need to work on it. Mm -hmm. I love it. Well, take me right into the published stage. 
Yeah, so we kind of started, so copy editing is where I think it would start. You could draw the line in a few different places, but copy editing is just polishing it up. Um, we're, you know, grammar, sentence structure. Proofreading is just a final read, and these should be done by all different people. Um, you know, our, our writing coach doesn't do the content edit because they're too close to it. And the content edit, we sometimes have two different people do it too, um, because I find the more eyes that look at it, the better. And even with all of these people working on it, there's still be a typo. Once your book goes to print, there's still going to be one typo somewhere that somebody missed. It's, it's crazy. So you really want to have as many people look at it as possible before you go into the interior layout design, um, which you want to make sure it's properly formatted for print as well as your uh, e-version. So your Kindle, your Kobo, you know, your tablets, whatever that is. Um, and then you're going to do cover. Actually, we usually do cover design before the interior. Um, and the cover design, really, the big thing for people to think about, you know, it's interesting because most people are worried about what their cover looks like in print, but the most important thing is what it looks like as a thumbnail and whether it's going to stand out in the category of books that it's going to appear in. So that. that's, yeah, that's the number one thing to worry about is, is how is it going to look as a thumbnail? Um, don't worry about how it looks printed because it's, if it looks good as a thumbnail, it's going to look good printed. Um, and really 80% of nonfiction sales are happening online anyways, even though they're buying like almost 70% of nonfiction is still happening in a print book. It's just that people are buying those print books online. Hmm. Um, so, crazy. so yeah, that's, yeah, that's really the big thing to think about. So you want to test that as much as you can to see what actually gets clicked on and what people's eye gets drawn to, um, on that. So I'll do, I'll just pause in case you have any questions about any of that stuff. Yeah. How do we test? Do we, I mean, if we haven't published it yet, do we test just in like, different groups of people and ask them? Yeah, you could do that. Um, we've been using a service called PICFU, P-I-C-F-U.com, and you can upload two covers or pay extra and upload three covers and have a head-to-head -head kind of competition on it. Um, and that we don't do that till we're down to kind of the final two or final three choices on a cover. But that's, that's kind of one way. I used to run uh, Facebook and Google ads on the, like on different covers to see what I, what, drew someone's eye in. Um, the, the shape of the ads has changed so much that it's hard. Um, and, and Facebook doesn't allow much text on an image. So you can't really run those ads like we used to run them. Um, so that's why we use some of these services like PicFu, or you could do a survey in a group. Um, you just want to be careful because a lot of people will have very strong opinions. And if they're not um, in your market, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, you got to be careful what you what, what you listen to um, when you make these changes. So do these things to find out what people are clicking on, but then, you know, use your own judgment in comparing it to what books you're going to be competing with. Yeah. I love that. It's cool. So going on into the third stage with selling is that, uh, do you follow the same protocol every time or can it vary depending on the client? Yeah, so it varies. And I'll back up because there's one other piece in publish, which okay. is getting your distribution, right? You have to get the book out there. And so typically what I am recommending to people is you use CreateSpace to get your book on Amazon and then use Ingram Spark to get your book distributed everywhere else. Um, that will get it available online everywhere, um, including places like Amazon in Canada. Um, it's interesting because CreateSpace is an Amazon company, but Amazon.ca doesn't uh, distribution for amazon.ca actually comes through ingram spark 
interesting figure same with in the uk a lot of the distribution is yeah it's 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 a little messed up how things work um so that's just what i recommend is create space in ingram spark um we do all that for our clients as well as upload to the different digital platforms because you have to upload your book to um, to kindle or to kdp if you want it on kindle to kobo to ibooks all that stuff has to be done separately so um <laughs> it's a lot of pieces, which is why you want to know why you're writing it. Cause some of your reasons for writing it may eliminate needing some of these channels um, really depends. Yeah. Then we move on to selling um, and selling is different for every client. Um, some universal things that I find uh, unless you have a really rabid fan base on social media, social media does not sell books. Um, and so asking your friends and family to post a link on Facebook or whatever it is to sell your book, it's not going to work. Um, it just very few people will click the link. And even if they click the link, it's just not translating to buyers in most cases. Uh, again, the exception is if you have a rabid fan base. Um, that can really, uh, you know, and that's what traditional publishers are looking for. Like they're looking for people with 100,000 million followers um, because they know that probably 1% of that fan base will buy the book. Uh, you know, so that's, you know, your own numbers. You can do the math if you only have 10,000 followers and they're not even like, they're not always responding to you. <laughs> they don't always reply. You know, you're probably going to have a 0.01 purchase rate um, from, from those people. So social media doesn't work. So what you really want to do uh, is find people who have your ideal reader in their audience already, and you want to connect with them and get them to promote it. And it's not a social media promotion. It's like it's them sending an email out. It's them standing at the front of their room if they run events and saying, hey, this is the book or, hey, I'm bringing so-and-so up to speak to meet you. It's having you on their podcast. Those kind of things work. So that's what we tend to focus on. Uh, because that gets your book in front of the ideal audience really, really quickly. And it also comes with an endorsement from someone they already trust. And so that makes for a really, really powerful uh, platform to sell your books, even if you don't have a platform of your own. Gotcha. So are you into like the whole funnel free plus shipping thing that we've seen a lot in the online industry? So that, that irritates, and this is my own pet peeve. This is not to say that if a client really wanted to do this, I wouldn't do it, but it's not free. If you're yeah. paying for shipping, it's freaking not free. And here's the thing. So and it's not even they, like reasonable shipping. It's like $9 no, shipping. It's $9. And so here's the thing. The book costs $4 at most to print and to ship a book, it's $2 in the US, it's $2.16. So if I'm paying you $9, I'm still paying you a dollar yeah. something to buy your book. So just say that. Like, just, okay, it bugs me. It really, it's like people who say they were a number one bestseller on Amazon and they know full well they sold four books. Like, you know, how, does, yeah. how do you reconcile, reconcile saying that something's free and charging me more than what it costs you to ship it. If you charge me $2 and 16 cents for shipping, totally that book was free. Um, but yeah, anyways, <laughs> it's, <so funny>. it's <laughs> it like, it's like when you, know it. <laughs> you remember when you were pregnant with your son and you started getting all those mailers from like, Oh, get your free baby canopy. And you go to like buy it or get it and claim your free canopy or whatever. And it's like 15 bucks. Like that's not yep. free. It's the same situation. <laughs> not. It's not free. Yeah. So yeah, it's a bit of a like it's a as you notice a, a little hook, bit of yeah. a button with me. Yeah. But um, yeah. So so no, I'm not a big fan of that. I get why they do it. It's smart marketing. It works. You get people's contact information. Uh, but I 
I just like, I'm pretty straightforward and, and really like, I, I want people to do what they say they're going to do and be who they say they are. <laughs> well, and I like, I mean, so far from talking to you, you're very much merging the traditional way of doing it with this, this online self-publishing way. So we're not trying to just be straight up online marketers. We're trying to merge like the good parts about traditional publishing. Yeah, I, I would love to, I would love the conversation to be professional versus not professional publishing. And yeah. so that, you know, everything that we do, it, all we're doing is helping somebody do it independent of a traditional publisher, giving them full control, giving them all their royalties, uh, you know, so at the end of the day, because that's one of the real drawbacks. And, and to me, the publishing market does have some uh, the publishers have some flaws um, in their model because besides the fact that it's, it's really hard to get a deal nowadays for the average person, um, you know, they really do want the sure thing, which comes with that celebrity, um, you know, name. Uh, the fact is they're keeping control. And, and one of the things that's coming up now is they're keep they, they're in order to get a book deal, you're, you have to give the publisher audiobook rights. That doesn't mean they're going to produce your audiobook. And audiobooks growth is is huge, and especially yeah. for podcasters, um, you're going to want an audiobook version of your book. And if they keep the audio rights and decide not to publish it, you're done. Like you have no, like you can't say I'll pay for it. They hold the rights. So there's some real limiting factors, you know, well beyond beyond that. But I'm seeing a lot of people getting uh, traditional publishing deals that aren't that happy that they went that route. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, because most of the moms we have on the show, when I ask them the final four questions and they tell me what books they're reading right now, it's always, what book am I listening to? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, everybody, we might be reading books, but we're, we also are listening to on Audible yep. or something. A lot. And, and it, our hands are full. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why I love podcasting so much because it's just one of those tasks and things I can consume, those pieces of content that I can consume while, you know, doing laundry or driving children or whatever it is, you know? Exactly. Yep. So, um, take me, I'm just, hmm, did we cover everything in cell in the cell category? Well, I mean, there's so much more I could go into, but those like for people listening and they're thinking about this, those are really the most important things I think yeah. I can offer. Yeah. Um, we, we, we really do vary our approach for every person, but it really comes down to knowing who your ideal reader is and where they're hanging out. Yeah. And what does it look like tactically? Like when we're writing the book, are we using Google Drive? Do you recommend Scrivener? What is your go-to for your clients? I mean, it's what whatever they're comfortable with. For If you've never used Scrivener, I would never recommend you try to learn it at the same time as you're trying to write a book. Yeah. Um, like just open up Word and keep it simple because it, you know, I think for, for somebody who wants to write books, loves technology, loves software, Scrivener's great. Um, you know, it's a great, especially if you're visual and like to move your book physically around, I think it's a great option. But I know like a couple of our clients started in it and then just, it was like trying to learn a new piece of software at the same time as you're tackling one of the biggest projects you'll, you'll ever tackle is being a book. Um, it was too much of a combo. So we're usually like, just write it in Word and, you know, we're going to do everything in terms of formatting and we, we can move things around with you or for you. So yeah, we just keep it, we just keep it simple, write it however you're actually going to get it written. And for some of our clients, that's talking. Some of our clients are speaking their book. So they get their outline and then they, they get in their car and they've got 40 minutes in their car and they just talk. Um, and then we get it transcribed and it takes extra editing. So it takes a little bit more time on the other side, but they're getting it down. And that's really the most important piece. So, you know, there's lots of ways to tackle it, whether you like computers, like writing, you know, all those pieces. 
I love hearing you say that because I recently drafted uh, just this pro- this outline for a new project and I was writing on a big post-it note similar to your whiteboard behind you and um, I turned on my audio recorder and I was just talking and it was like half talking to God, half talking to an audience of women and then half talking to myself, <laughs> but like to get that, to capture that audio and go and be able to go back. I mean, just the, the, how quick I could build that outline was just insane. So I'm definitely a talker. So I think if I was ever to write a book, that would be the route I went. <laughs> yeah. So um, this has been so great. So, I mean, gosh, I just think there's a lot of us that have wanted to write books, but it just seems so daunting. And I love that you just made it simple. But I would say my next question for you is what made you want to write your first book? I kind of have that question that I wrote down from the beginning when you talked about writing your book. Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, I, when I was a little kid, I thought I would be a writer. That's, you know, as a little, little kid. Um, And then somebody told me writers didn't make any money. And so I ended up at business school. So, but I used to write for fun. I had lots of little short stories that were published in newspapers that like to publish little kid stuff. And, and I loved it. Uh, So I think I was always destined, you know, just took the detour of what I thought was the more acceptable path to end up here, um, which is probably where I was always supposed to be, I think. Um, Because, yeah, I have that kind of magical feeling of this is what I should be doing, which I have never had before. Uh, And uh, so when I I started getting approached, I actually started to get approached by some publishers because I'd built a strong platform. Like I had a name in Canada in the real estate space. uh, And so publishers started to reach out to me. And uh, and just it was like, yes, I've always wanted to write a book. So it was kind of – it was there, but it wasn't until – you know, the doors started to open that I was like, yes, I want to write a book. Um, but now having done it, I can tell people if you're sitting on the fence and you're like, you feel like you want to write it, but you're, there's kind of two things that happen. One is you feel like maybe you haven't done enough. You're not successful enough. And for those people, I always say, well, there's two pieces to that. One is it's better to learn from somebody who's just a little further down the road. So, you know, that person that, you know, the things that you've done today, if you can help somebody that's trying to start to do them today, that's huge, right? They would much rather learn from that person than somebody who's been doing it for 10 years or has achieved a billion dollars in success. And you can't relate. You can't really see how you are going to get from here to where they are. That's one part. And the other part is, um, interviewing people who have massive success is a great way to put yourself on that same level. And it's not as hard as you might think to get people to say yes to interviews. One of our, um, one of the people I was talking to, I just met him at an event. He has a book he just finished and he started by interviewing, he knew one person in the Marines and he started by interviewing that person. And then he called up somebody who he's like, I kind of want to interview this person, but I don't know them. Called them up and said, Hey, listen, I just interviewed, you know, whatever, so-and-so from the Marines. And I'd like to interview you next um, for my book. And that person's like, well, yeah. And then now he's got a bit of a named person and now he'd interview that person and he just kept going. And he said, very few people said no, um, because as soon as he mentioned who else he'd interviewed, they were like, yeah, I want to be a part of that. So if you don't have the expertise, or even if you have expertise, but you want to meet people who are doing just that much more, a book's a great opportunity to do it. So I wouldn't worry about not having the skills or, or any of that kind of stuff. And then the other piece that I think kind of slows people down is, is how do I do it? How do I find time? And my answer to that is always, if you really are committed to it, there's a way to do it. Like I said, transcribing it, you know, speaking it out, transcribing it, hiring ghostwriters, uh, getting help, all those pieces really, really make a big, big difference. And, and just know that the book, um, if you write the right book, it's going to change 
so much in your life. For me, media, um, I made way more money. People started calling me out of the blue. Um, and my workshops, I was a trainer, education training. I filled workshops that previously I was like two days before the workshop still trying to sell it. They were filling a month to two months in advance. Um, and it's just crazy the things that happen so much easier after a book without people reading the book even. People are just like, oh, she's got the book. Yeah, they, she's got the book. Oh, I need somebody to speak. There's two people to choose from. This person's written the book on the subject. Okay, I'm going to go with that person. Uh, so it, ch- it changes way more than you think. So you just got to do it and see what's going to happen. Oh gosh, that's so good. So good. So (laughs) share with me real quick how you support your clients. And then I want you to tell, well, actually we'll get into the final questions and then we'll talk about where we can find you online. Yeah, for sure. Um, so our clients, it, again, we we tailor it to each person. So everybody's a little different, but everybody starts with the writing coach because I want to make sure everybody has a marketable hook for their book and that their table of contents is set up so that Um, Like I said, every chapter needs to sell your book. And I think a lot of self-published authors that don't get external help really fall flat on that. And they don't realize the importance of having a great title, a killer cover, and phenomenal table of contents. Um, The the interior doesn't have to be that good. (laughs) I mean, you want it to be good, but it actually doesn't have to be as great as you think it does if you've got those pieces in place. So everybody starts with the writing coach there. At that point, some will go off to get help with the ghostwriter, either in the form of a content assist, which means the ghostwriter's helping pull together your podcast materials and your blog materials or the ghostwriter writes it or we coach you through it Um, and so the writing coach would coach you through either as you're transcribed like you're talking it out or writing it out working through you step working with you step by step so you're fully supported the entire time you're writing and the 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 writing coach says I'm part psychiatrist and part writing coach (laughs) so that's you know the emotional ups and downs Um, and then from there we have a project manager who takes over and she's you know she's driving your book from that point forward taking it to all the editors working with you again to also guide you through the emotional ups and downs of the editing process because that is um painful like to me it's honestly more painful than writing because you turn in this piece of work that you're you know pretty proud that you finished it and then somebody completely hacks it um which is part of the job of editing (laughs) but it hurts like it stings and you kind of go through this like this person doesn't know what they're talking about why would they um but it's all part of you know it's like working out and breaking the muscles down so that you could be stronger at the end of it it's the same it's the same thing um so the project manager is guiding now she takes over as part psychiatrist and part (laughs) project manager to see it all the way through um because the the box of tissues come with working with you (laughs) Pretty much, pretty much. Um, yeah, probably chocolate and tissues, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can see why you're valuable, though, because, I mean, people would give up, like you said, just so quickly because if they're doing it alone. It's hard because I've, yeah. I've done it myself twice. And I this is, I created the team that I knew I would want to work with if I ever did it again. And I'm working on my third book, and it's phenomenal. The, the difference in, I think, the quality and the amount I'm able to get done in less time um, because people are doing other things for me and also bouncing ideas off um, them, it makes all the difference in, in what I'm creating and how quickly I can create it. Um, and then we support you all the way through to marketing. And as a team, we brainstorm a lot of stuff for you um, so that you don't have to, you still have to be involved because it's your stuff, it's your expertise, your network. But we we do a lot of the marketing for you and with you. Um, so we're kind of like without having to hire an entire launch team, um, we handle a lot of the elements of your book launch and uh, to help you get success because that's for us most important. It's, it's not just about having a great printed book. It's about you know making sure that that book does what you want it to do for your business and your life. Yeah. I love that. That's so cool. Well, let's head into those final four questions. And then I want to hear more about where we can find you. 
So the first question is, what is one mom or business owner hack that you can give others to manage motherhood and business well? Ooh, um, I think... I think it's just making making as much time as you can to sleep. Like <laughs> truly, you know, put yourself to bed sooner um, because you never know what morning has in store for you. But I, because I think everything else is easier to handle in life and business if you have some sleep. Um, yeah. And so I know it's hard, but I think that's the most important. Yeah, I mean, just go back to the first eight weeks of your child's life. How hard was life then? Everything seemed like this huge mountain to cry over. Exactly. So, and I think the more you can do to, to help yourself get sleep, like put that as one of your major priorities, um, I think everything else will get easier. I like it. Well, if you could do this all over again, what would you tell yourself or start with? Ooh, I mean, just keep taking action, which is kind of what I always tell myself now is, you know, just keep taking steps forward and even a little step, taking a little step every day, you know, before you know it, you've gone miles. Yeah. Yep. And what is your favorite app system or software that you'd recommend right now? Um, I, I mean, I'm still a big fan of the pen and paper for thinking things through and to-do lists and calendars and schedules. Um, Slack, we use a lot in our, in our company to manage things and I'm quite happy with it. So I'll, I'll just throw that out. Bonjoro is cool too. Have you heard of Bonjoro? Is that the video sender thing? Yeah. So we're starting to use that a lot too. So uh, just for something different, I'll say Bonjoro. <laughs> nice. I like it. Well, what is the best book you've read and what is one you're looking forward to reading soon? Well, so, I mean, I read like a phenomenal amount of books <laughs> because yeah, I would of imagine. what I do. Uh, so it's a really, really hard question. Um, but the book that I just, I picked up and reread for probably the eighth time just this week. And I think it's worth mentioning is the war of art um, mm. by Stephen Pressfield. And not Fantastic the art of war. <laughs> Right. No, not the art of war, the war of art. And um, it's a short, easy read. And it really talks about fighting that fear and fighting that resistance that we all face, whether it's whether we're writing or doing something else um, that we feel a calling to do. So I think it's a brilliant book for everyone to have on their shelf. Um, yeah. One that I'm looking forward to reading, we actually have a client who has written a book on horror and uh and it's it's making you love horror movies again is what his book is about and I'm not a horror fan at all but everybody in my company has been just talking about this book and they're all really really excited about it so I'm looking forward to reading that when it comes across my desk (laughs) that sounds fun well tell everybody where we can connect with you online yeah, so um, booklaunchers.com is my website. Best way to find me and actually chat with me, though, is go to booklaunchers.tv, which is our YouTube channel. And uh, I am very active in commenting and replying to people there um, and uh, yeah, try to have a lot of fun over there. So that's a great place if you just got a casual question. But uh, if you want to know more about our services, booklaunchers.com. And we've got a biweekly launch letter where we send out tips uh, to help you self-publish, write, publish, and sell your book. Love it. Well, tell us, I think you've got a freebie. So tell us a little about that freebie that you've got for us. Yeah, you bet. So it's at booklaunchers.com forward slash sell books. And it's eight ways to sell your book, uh, sell a thousand books for under a hundred dollars. And it is the eight ways that I used uh, to sell both my books and that we typically use with our clients. Um, And so there's no marketing involved. Like there's no paid advertising involved in these methods. And so you'll get the outline on or the game plan for those eight ways uh, at that link. Love it. Well, this has been so good talking with you. And I I hope you've sparked some fires and some people that have been listening and that they get their, I don't know, just start working on their book. It'd be great. Yeah. Well, thank well, you for joining uh, us. They, 
yeah, thank you so much. It was fun to be on the show. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. If you loved this show, help me spread the word to all your other mama friends by taking a screenshot of the show today and posting it to your Instagram stories. Don't forget to tag me at Katie Fleming and let me know what you loved. I'd love to feature you on my stories as well when you do that. So if you have not joined our community, go to 1kmomtribe.com. This is a free Facebook community of the women who are getting it done in their business and in their family. See you inside.